in Parshas B'Shalach, oh, 2022. Uh, again, the topic of today is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We um, obviously are all living in the post-trauma scandal world, and we really still have to address the key issues that are fundamental to our re- balancing ourselves as a Jewish community. You know, I know, for example, during the BLM riots with all the destruction and the chaos and the violence and all of that, I have a woman who works for me who is black and she said, I do not identify with them. That's not my way. This is not my agenda, this whole thing. And we all wanna say, we don't identify with the people that look religious and are a disgrace to Judaism. And we don't identify with those people that cover it up or that smooth it over or that do what something really, I saw in one of the articles is really an Isser, the really an Isser, forbidden thing, which is to be Melamitzchos on a Russia, to point out the good points of a Russia and stuff like that. And we don't, we don't we're not among those people that have this, um, that um, that allow that don't care about people that are treated unjustly and are victimized. We're not we're not them, okay. But on the other hand, we're all part of Amisrael, and we all take achrayus and we all take responsibility to make things right. And if you saw Jonathan Rosenblum's um, article that he just put out, there's already Bate Din Foreman. I put it on the Q and A chat in America, professional that are going to deal with these type of issues there, we fix problems. We don't just say, oh my goodness, this is so embarrassing. This is such a fill Hashem, we fix problems. Okay. But what we're going to do in this week's Parsha is go deep into the state, the spiritual state of affairs that uh, when there are such terrible problems in, in among Am Yisrael and um, such terrible scandals. And I wanna be super clear, this is not the first scandal of the year. We are really dealing with a need for every human being to stand up and say, this is who I am and what I stand for and what Judaism stands for. We've had a lot of problems this year. It's just time for, for honesty. We had the Mayron issue. Nebuch so many people died because leaders didn't think about normal, responsible responsibilities that they have, which is to say, oh, we're having an event. Is it safe? Is there too many people that are gonna come? Can this place handle it? Are the structures safe? Why didn't they ask these questions? It's a failure, period. And everybody knows it. And now in Eretzisrael, they are demolishing or they just finished demolishing 75 structures and rebuilding the whole place. And it'll be gorgeous and it'll be up to code and it'll be a place that's safe and it'll be a place that everybody can go safely. I just want to tell you something. It wasn't like nobody knew. My daughter told me that she was going to Meru and I said, no, you're not. This, I said, just, her whole seminary was going. I said, it's, too, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a death trap. And she's the only one in her whole, sem her whole seminary who ended up not going, not because I told her to, because she didn't feel well. Hot Baruch nothing happened, but like everybody just, you know, it's okay. It's okay. So, um, so that's number one. That was the first thing. And then let's, there was another scandal, the head of Zaka, a Swedish guy, but at least compared to Walder, he's better because he actually said he's sorry and he's ashamed and he, Wrote that sort of note, but he also was took took down, tried to kill himself because he was also indicted for all sorts of sexual scandals. Okay, that's like a very prominent organization with the leader, and that it was going to get the Israel Prize. Then you have this story, okay, that we just went through, and this is like a trillion times worse, I, I, in my opinion, because the millions of books and all the 
and, and, and the fake of it that he represented himself as an advocate and a professional who understood the needs of children who were suffering. He didn't even have a license, and pretended, you know. So we've had scandal after scandal, let's be honest. Now, this is, these three things happened in Eretz Yisrael, but it doesn't matter because we're religious Jews. We all look bad. We all are like, what is wrong with you people? Don't you have checks and balances on your leaders? Doesn't, isn't there any transparency? You know, it don't, don't you know what's going on? How could all of this happen and nobody knows? And then when it is known, it's pushed under the rug because of various considerations. Like we don't look good. We don't look like a nation that is a role model of leadership and, and, and um, justice and honesty and, and, and chesed for the, you know, it, it's just terrible for all of us. So we have to do something about it because we all look bad, okay? So what we're gonna go to do in, um, in, in this parsha now is we're gonna focus on one word in the parsha and actually two words in the parsha. The word navochim, Nevuchim and the word va'anvehu. These are two Lashon HaKodesh words that we are going to learn about today. As you know, when we get a word right in Lashon HaKodesh, we then understand deep concepts. If we don't know what the word means, then all our concepts are distorted because we're working off a distorted understanding of the word. So here's what happens. In Shemos Parak 14, they're, right after they leave Mitzrayim, Hashem turns them around, sets up a whole uh, ambush really for the Egyptians. And uh, it looks like the Jewish people are lost in the desert. So the Pasuk says, That um, Paro is saying regarding Amishol, Okay. What does Nevuchim mean? Like Mora Nevuchim, which we quote nonstop. What is Navuch? Navuch. It means confused. They don't know where they're going. They're going in circles, they're wandering. Mora Navucha means the guide of the to the perplexed. We call it perplexed. Now the word Navoch, Rav Moshe Fer says all the time, is built off the root of Bez Chaf, like as in Bechi, cry. What is the similarity between, oops, I have to do my dedications. I'm sorry, everybody, stop for a minute. Dedications. Emun son in memory of her father, Shalom Hirsch Benachum. Tova Dreyfus, Lila Nishmas, her husband, Tov, David Tzvi Kutil ben Meir, carried Jerome for a foolish name of her husband, Yecheskel Pesach HaKohen ben Alta Chanamalka. Our learning should be as a plus, Aliyah for everyone. Okay, so um, what is the relationship between Bechi crying and Nevuchim confused? So Moshe always says that when a person cries, what happens is their eyes fill up with tears. They can't see anymore, and it's particularly water right? Salty water, like kind of like the Yamsuf, right? And um, they can't see straight anymore, okay? And also their mouth doesn't work and they cannot form a coherent sentence. They can't express themselves. They're just, their mouth is no longer functional to say something that makes sense and their eyes can't see clearly. Now, what that means is we are, what that really means at the core of this, and that's where there are tears of joy and tears of sadness. What really is happening is like this. The essence of a human being is the word ani. I, I have a sense of myself, who I am, how I should proceed through my life, what constitutes the right way for me to live, what my assumption, my basic framework of living is. I have an ani. When something happens that is such a disaster, that is that violates the basic construct of life, 
all right? When a person loses their sense of ani, they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know who they are. They don't know where to go tomorrow. They don't know how to continue. They don't know how to define themselves anymore. Perhaps they were defined by someone they love so much who just died. Perhaps they were, they had, a, they, they don't, there's so much, um, um, you know, physical pain or emotional pain. They don't know how to, how to, how to get out of it. They don't know what, what the path is, what the next step is. They don't have direction. The ani of a person feels lost. A person can't say, I know what to do. I know what to do, what's to do tomorrow. I know the next, I know how to like have a sense of my, you know, I'm anchored a sense of clarity. There's nothing like that. When that's when a person is crying. By the way, when a person cries tears of joy, their ani has been in a sense enhanced. Enhanced. I have more to my identity. Let's say somebody has a child after many, many years and they cry joy. I have an ani, I have an identity, I have a certain you know, structure that defines me. All right. That's why Chaim says, "Am I my brother's keeper?" It's my identity. Nice, Sandy is saying, you know, Hashomer an an. Well, he says but could be. I, I, I could be. I don't want to think about it now because I want to not get distracted. But the thing is that um, crying tears means that our ani is just like in limbo. It's like being being churned all over the place, and we're not really sure how to re. Re, re, re-anchor it, all right? Now, the, what the phenomenon of crying is so fascinating because when you have a good cry, you feel better afterwards. And the very concept that the tears themselves, water, okay, they can, water washes things away, water cleans things, okay? And we suddenly feel like, you know what, there is a path. There is a way to reorganize things. There is a self-concept that I can build, rebuild, that will incorporate this trauma that I've just been through, but becomes part of my self-concept in a positive way that gives me a path forward, okay? So um, so the, the idea here is that there's human crying, and for sure the community went through, anybody who cares about the reputation of a Kodesh Baruch Hu in this world, went through a period, whether they physically cried or emotionally cried or cried in their, you know, you know, in, in, in their sense of loss, of clarity of what Amishol stands for. Who are we? What do we stand for? Okay. Um, so this has been that type of time. Now, let's take it deeper. It's not just that Amishol, anyone normal, literally anyone semi-normal is going to cry about what happened and feel the impact, the Chil Hashem, and the, not just Chil Hashem in the eyes of the world, the fact that the Jewish community is going, or the religious community, particularly in Israel, but here too, going through this identity crisis, like who do we believe, who do we trust, you know? And what that really means when we try to finish the crying and look at a path forward, we say, you know, we need to take more responsibility ourselves to, to make good decisions for ourselves and not just go with the flow and unconditionally assume that they know what's right and they represent what's right, even though they might be a newspaper that's making money off your subscriptions um, or a magazine, but they seem to know what's right. So what they do is right. You know what I mean? Because 
in, in Eretz Yisrael, for example, the, the magazines were put on Nice Hespedim and Zechat Tzadik Lubrach and like crazy stuff. And they must be right because they represent the Jewish community. Like, no, nobody's right. Nobody, you know, somebody just told me today, we have a very interesting um, rule when you're making Kiddush or when you're giving Adis. Kiddush is Adis, it's testimony that Hashem created the world. You're not a little lean. Because when a person is an aide, they have to be able to stand for themselves, that they're not to be had a leaning on someone else who they'll tell me what to do and they know what's right and I could rely on them. So whatever they say is fine. I assume they're right. No, a person has to be able to stand for themselves and make and know who they are. And that's what we're gonna talk about a lot today. But let's talk about a deeper idea of crying. What about when Hashem cries? Yeah, that's right. Look in the notes. Eicha Rabbah. This is, of course, related to Beis HaMikdash. When Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, which of course means that Am Yisrael needed to go through a process of redeveloping our self-concept. Okay, it was built in and we had to. We had to mature. We had to go from childhood to adulthood. Childhood means we rely on someone else to tell us what to do. And adulthood means we have to take responsibility for being Selim Elohim, which Rashi says, someone with their own intelligence who doesn't have to rely on someone else to tell them what to do. Doesn't mean we're not influenced by people. Of course, we must be influenced by people, by great thinkers, by great leaders. Here in our class, we're deeply influenced by the thoughts of Moshe Shapiro and others, right, that we rely on nonstop. My grandfather's ideas, and of course, everything is based on the Rishonim and based before that on the on the. the or, or earliest, earliest sources based on the Torah. Of course, we rely on the influence of others, but choosing who to influence us. And, and there are parts of our lives that we nobody can tell us what to do. We have to figure them out for ourselves. So, um, so, um, so of course, we have to go into that state of maturity. It was built into the system, but it's, and it's tricky. And if we don't handle it right, there's something called Hashem crying. Okay, so Ba'osha, the time of the destruction of the Samigdash, Haya HaKadosh Baruch Hu Bocha. I just want you to see that in Eicha Rabbah, in the Medrash, Hashem is crying. I want to understand what it means. And he quotes a Pasuk in Yermiyahu, look in the bold. Hashem says, We've had a whole long share about this many years ago. So it just means Hashem is saying, if you don't let me cry publicly, then I'm going to go in a secret place and cry. Now, what these words mean, of course, is very, very important and cannot be simplistically understood, okay? And then a Kaddish Baruch Hu says, listen to this in the Medrash, that's what Hashem says, okay? He says, Amar Allah Kaddish, um, he said like this. Um, uh, one second. Look in the second line. He says, um, let's go down and see what happened. Hashem says about himself, so to speak, in the Medrash, that I'm a joke, I'm a mockery to the nations and a disgrace for creation, that the nations look at me and say, what a joke. When does Hashem cry? What does that mean? So if you look at the notes, we are distinguishing between three types of language in reference to Kodesh Baruch Hu conveying his message to the world. One is Amira. Again, Amira means Lashon Racha, which means soft, Racha, which means it doesn't mean Hashem whispers. Okay, let's understand what language means, what talking means, right? What is talking in general? When I speak to you directly, so the thoughts that are in my mind, I can convey them to you and then you can know what I'm thinking. So speech means that you're able to know my thoughts. 
Now, there are different ways where we get to know Hashem's thoughts. One is called Amira. Amira is soft. Soft doesn't mean whisper. It means it's not imposed strongly. It means it's out there. It's discoverable. If you just look around the world, you think like Avraham did, you will figure out what Hashem wants. You will figure out what this world is about. That's called Amira. There was all, there was only this Madrega, uh, didn't impose demand until these Tarshias right now which the Amira shifts into Dibor. As Sarah said, Dibros. There are 10 Mamaros that the world was created with. But now we shift into 10 Dibros. 10 Dibros means that a Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I insist you know what I'm saying. You must know. You can't say you don't know. This is how my world runs. This is your role in my world. Okay, you're a part of me. You're, you're supposed to channel what my, my, Kodesh Baruch Hu's reality and self-expression. You're supposed to stay away from the pitfalls. And you have to live in relationship to me. I'm making it very clear. That's called Dibor. Okay. What is Bechi? What do we mean when Hashem is crying? It's the same thing like a human being. It means, it doesn't mean Hashem personally has emotions and cries. What it means is that Hashem cries when those that represent Yahadus behave in ways that deeply distorts Hashem's truth and will and intentions of humanity. In other words, nobody on earth can make out what God wants. It's, you know how we can't see and we can't talk, nothing's clear, everything's chaos, everything's distorted, we can't be coherent. Well, what if this world is a place? Or Amishol, okay, behave in a way that nobody can figure out what Hashem wants in this world or what it's supposed to look like or how we're supposed to behave or what a tell Kim is from looking at Amishol. That's called Hashem crying. Hashem crying is means we have created situations where others have no ability to see and understand even the basic MS. You can't, you, we're supposed to be a people that you look at Amishol and say, oh, that's a Telmolokim. That's what it means, what Hashem wants in this world. Oh, these big good midos, this, this, they're, they're like, they're saintly. They're like God himself. They're all good, all true, all smart. This is what it is. Ah, that's how people, Hashem wants people to live. That's what we're over, our lagayim. But if we behave in a way that nobody has the ability to see and understand even the basic MS from us, and everything is distorted and incoherent, okay? And the simple truth of derech eretz, kadmolator, something as basic as derech eretz, they can't learn it from us, okay? Then that means Hashem is crying. Does that make sense? It means when Hashem's words are not clear in this world, they are, there's no coherence, no clarity. You can't make out what God wants in this world from looking around the world. Now, it's supposed to be. Yes, it had definitely. Definitely. And that's the water and the dissolving of the Tura, 100%. Now, when you look around the world today, let's just say, we're, we, are, we are different. I'm is different. Any moral, ethical person, anybody who believes in the Ten Commandments, by definition, is going to be different. But there's a whole population out there that you cannot make heads or tails of what a human being is supposed to be. They don't have a clue. There are 10 different identities. I mean, now when you fill out a form and it says, what gender are you? What's the point if there's 95 genders? Who cares? It used to be you want to know, should I call you Mr. or Mrs.? Or, yeah. But once there's a million, what's the difference anymore? Like the whole question is null and void. Do you know what I mean? But the point is nobody... Um, you can't, from looking around masses of humanity today, you have no idea what, they have no idea what human being is supposed to look like or be or act like, it's like complete chaos. But Am Yisrael is supposed to be different. So when we are guilty even a little bit of distorting or making it impossible to know what constitutes a Tzel Kim, what it looks like if someone keeps the Torah, what does a Torah observing person look like? What kind of life do they lead? And what, what does Torah make out of a person? If you can't figure that out from looking at a, 
religious Jew, something that's called Hashem Kar. Okay? Now, Baruch Hashem, we're not in a place of such utter desperation. We have multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of incredible people, kid, people that make a Kiddush Hashem every single day of their life. However, it is our responsibility more than ever to demand transparency and, uh, and, 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 um, you know, and, um, you know, legitimacy from leaders. Leaders cannot let people, let all of us look horrible. That's what it is. It's not fair anymore. And it's our job. And there's a way we do it, which is called transparency. But we're going to get to that. Next, next. Step note. Yeah, Jenny. Is there a physical expression of this? Like, Hashem crying? Yeah. Like we have the, like, nature, you could say it's Amira, and then the Sivos over here, Tamachas. Bechira is when there is, well, the Chorban, right? Anytime there's a Chorban where there's just destruction and of the Jewish people or of our, uh, um, not just our, you know, or just like, like you, I would say what happened when there's, when the when every newspaper is, is almost every newspaper is like just basically relating to that world is like from the dark ages, corrupt, unjust, you know, something, something that's Bechi. Okay, some actually, now I did see an article in, a, in Haaretz, I think it was, that said, look how, look at the Haredim, they're on it. They're setting up Batei Din, they're calling them out, they're all protesting, they're on it. They fight injustice. They, they, when, when they see it, they rise up and they take a stand. So I saw one paper that actually saw the response to this, which is Kiddush Hashem, okay? But it means, but the point is we can't all just say they, 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 we all have a responsibility. Yeah. So I was just in my Yes. Yes, that's for sure true. But being there for each other is nice, but it doesn't take away tolerating injustice. You know, it's, it's Hashem's name is, is justice. Let, let's go further. We are a light, but sometimes there, but there are too many scandals and too many situations that allow leadership to be irresponsible. And that is something every, we really, it's the grassroots, it's the people that ultimately let this happen. Okay, now um, let's go to C. So what is the beginning of coherence, the beginning of the, cre the, the formation of a human being who is at Selma Kim, who is a representative of God? Where does it even start, right? When you cry, you're like, I don't know what, I don't know where to put myself, it's total, blurred, co incoherent, confusion. I don't like, I don't even know how to say Ani. What is Ani? Where, where do I start? But after you cry, you see clarity. Now let's go to the beginning. Where does it all start? So this again, so fundamental. It's so fundamental that we don't even talk about it. We assume everybody knows it, but it's not true. What's fundamental is that way before there's ever a Torah personality, a religious representative of God who lives way before that there's something called Derech Eretz Derech Eretz Kadma Latora there's basic more ethics and morality that have to be in place before there's any Torah and if Torah is built upon a basis that doesn't have basic Derech Eretz it's not it's going to collapse and it's going to be terrible it's going to implode so first of all Vayikra Rabbah all right, the Amr of Rabbi Shmuel, Amr, the Amr Rabbi Shmuel by Rav Nachman. Esrim b'shisha doris kadma derech eretz esa Torah. It was 26 generations before Torah was given. And those generations, what was expected of humanity is derech eretz. Did you notice that Lavan, no Torah, was called out because he had no derech eretz for his father and he spoke before him? Remember that? 
blood. He was right. He was. It was rebuked. The Torah tells us that he spoke before his father, living in Russia. What about that? Avram said to to Melch Gerar, "I can't trust you guys. You don't have your shemayim." Well, there's basic derech six mitzvahs of Adam. Noah added the seventh, but don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Fair and legal and just court systems where everybody's equal under the law. Okay, not, not believing in multiple gods, meaning there's only one God. Everybody is like Perakalf and Selmukim. Basic ethics. Okay, that's Kadmalator. Then look what it says. Um, he brings a pasuk from Bereshis. Remember when when Adam was was banished from Ganeden, which we know means lost the ability without hard work to automatically think on a higher level. Lost some of the das. So it says Hashem put them out and put a put the 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 the, the malach with the road the kruvim with the rotating sword. And we learned a lot about what that means in you take two. But it says lishmar esderech eitzachayim. Lishmor esderech eitzachayim. Lishmor means to preserve, ensure that it's preserved, like Shmira Shabbos. Derech zu derech You see that? First preserve derech. Derech eitzachayim. Derech first. Derech eretz. Va'acharkach. And after that, eitzachayim zu Torah. You cannot have Torah built on a foundation that's not basic derech eretz. So if, I hate to say this, but if we see a non-Jew who has more derech eretz, good character, good midos, honesty, and somebody who's keeping Torah that doesn't, 100% the non-Jew is on a, on a better madriga because derech eretz kadmala Torah. In fact, Ramam says that, of course, a non-Jew who does the basic sheva mitzvahs because they're true, because they're emes, because Hashem told them on Sinai, goes, of course, goes to, goes to Ganeidah. And of course, they're sincere. And of course, if a person tries to fulfill the mitzvahs without a basis of derech eretz, the whole thing is distorted. Doesn't work. So there's no Torah either. It's not Torah if it's not on a basis of derech eretz. Okay, so now let's learn of Chaim Vital. This is already in the realm of the Mikubalim. You can you can learn about who Rav Chaim Vital is, but um, goes back to Rizal, of course. But look what he says. Very straightforward. He says, hamidos. Okay, midos, character traits. Okay, good character. The character traits are naturally embedded in the lowly fundamental soul. He calls this nefesh hayesodis, the basic soul. The soul is comprised of four aspects, right? He, you know about these, and we're not going to parse all these words right now. But um, domain and uh, you know the the inanimate, the um, the the, uh, the inanimate, the vegetative means it, it, things that can't move, things that can move, things that um, that um, grow, things that grow, sorry, things that can move, and those that can speak. Uh, they too are a composite of good and evil. Midas obviously can be either way. Therefore, the good and bad character traits depend upon the soul. But here's the thing: they constitute a seat and foundation, and root for the upper intellectual soul upon which the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah depend. Now the 630 mitzvahs of the Torah, we receive them at Kabbalah Torah through our das. We receive them through the, what we call the shefa, the hashba, the flow from Hashem's thoughts into our mind. Hashem's thoughts reach their mind, but our mind cannot receive these truths, cannot internalize them, cannot process them correctly if our mind is not sitting on a very firm foundation of derecherets, of basic good mitzvahs. It's before the Torah. Torah cannot take root in, in soil that is not full of derech eretz. As mentioned above in Shar Aleph, because of this, the character traits are not included as part and parcel of 613 mitzvahs. They're, pre, they're assumed, they're the primary. They're, 
their givens. You got to have them before the 630 mitzvahs. Nonetheless, they are essential prerequisites to their fulfillment or negation, meaning the mitzvahs, for the simple reason that the intellectual soul is powerless to fulfill the mitzvahs and the 613 organs of the body except, except through the agency of the fundamental soul, which is, in other words, your, your ideas, your thoughts can't fulfill mitzvahs. You're understanding the beauty of the mitzvah can't fulfill mitzvahs. You need your body. You need your emotions and your physicality to cooperate. But they have to then be developed properly so that they will fulfill the mitzvahs. And they will do, and they will fulfill the mitzvahs properly and not otherwise distort the mitzvahs and use them in survival mode to get their own personal needs and, and pleasures met. They won't distort Torah mitzvahs, you know, in, to accommodate and cater to their bad midos, which put what happens, okay? In other words, that basic good character traits, which every human being is expected to develop, all right, is the foundation for Torah mitzvahs. Because Torah mitzvahs are ideas that come from above. But if our character isn't good, all right, then when we hear these great ideas, we'll just use them, we'll distort them and we'll apply them in, you know, in order to sort of uh, help us live out our, the life we wanna live, which could very, be, very much be you know, defective. You know, if we have bad character, if we're jealous, let's, let's go to, if we're jealous of other people, we're in survival mode. We are jealous. We don't know what, that we're part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, you know, the fundamental Lashon Kodesh words. We don't know the concept of Makom that everybody exists within the greater existence of a Kodesh Baruch We forget that. We forget the concept of Mechitza, that although we cannot see a Kodesh Baruch Hu, like the fetus cannot see the mother because there's the actual wall, we still are very much part of the mother's existence. We forget the concept that the word Tafkid does not mean the role you think you're supposed to play. It means that a Kodesh Baruch Hu allows you to participate in his existence for the time you've been given. And since it's Hashem's world, and really everything is Hashem's ratzon, you really don't have to take control of God's world. What you really have to do is just channel a Kodesh Baruch Hu your way with your strengths in the situation you're in. Okay. So the neshama is the flow of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's thoughts into our head, into our mind. Okay. In the way we're using the word neshama. Now there's many different translations, different svarim use the words differently. You got to know what they mean when they're using it. But um, what, what we're trying to say here is that a person doesn't know these basics, that all human beings are part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides for everybody, that we're all at Selim Elohim, that this is not a world. One of the, the first of the, of the six, six mitzvahs is you're not allowed to believe in the forces of nature, in idol worship and paganism. It's the first one. You're not allowed to believe that. Everyone has to know there's one God. So once we know, once we know this, all right, then we look at each other like we all have the same needs and we all have the same ultimate basic identity. And we, therefore, we all are already within a Kodesh Baruch Hu's existence. And therefore, we all get, lose nothing by helping each other because the Kodesh Baruch Hu runs the world through people helping each other. So this is the basics. Okay. And if a person doesn't have that, there's no Torah built upon it. Okay. So. So no, so the different language that's the, the human being. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Where did bad character come from? This is very important. What is the essence of bad character? He says your your basic soul, what he calls in, in English, he call it the fundamental soul. Here he calls it nefesh yesodis, has to have good character. Okay, so let's talk about where does bad character come from? The way I like to say, because I think it's very clear, where does survival mode versus creator mode come from? Again, we just said it. Fundamentals. Do you know what it says in Parakalaf and Bracious, which is required by every human being on earth? The entire 
say for Boratius, is before the giving of the Torah. It's for every human being. Certainly, certainly a million percent Boratius and Noah, Avram is Avhamon Gayim for everybody. This is everybody's information, it's everybody's Torah. So number one, again, cl let's clarify it. Where do bad meters come from? You refuse to make sure that you always remember what we said, that a human being, let's talk about first, the word I get, we just said it, makom. You exist within the a greater space, meaning you're within HaKadosh Baruch B, you can't see that, machitza, but that doesn't mean you're not part of it. But there's a direct feed from the mother to the baby, the neshama, Hashem's thoughts reach your head, which is why you say, I must have value. I must have something to offer. That thought bubble that's implanted in your head is Hashem's thoughts in your head. That's the chelik elokai mal. That's the part of God in you that knows, like God himself, I have something to add. I have something to contribute. I have value. I can express myself. That's God. I will be what I'll be. I will express myself on my terms. That's God. That's in us. That's already in our psyche. It's already forms the way we think. And, um, and, that's, and we're all together created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that is basic. And therefore we all have to treat each other with basic courtesy. Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adult, adultery. In other words, basic morality. Let other people also have their, you know, you know, have their space and their rights and their boundaries in this world. That's it, that's basic. And how do we know it? Because Hashem breathed, so to speak, or conveyed his truths into our psyche and no one can say that they don't know them. It's because even a Ghana, if a robber gets annoyed if some other robber will steal from him. Okay, all right. So here we go. Now let's go further. All right, we have so much to do. So Derek Eretz is Kod Torah. That's number one. Good, basic, good character. If we see someone who looks like they are religious and keeping all these other mitzvahs, I'm sorry, but they have missing basic good character. What does that mean? Humility, saying, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Basic stuff, caring that someone else is in pain. Okay, doing justice, establishing justice, basic stuff. If that's not there, everything else is worthless. And not only worthless, it's worse. Because in, when it all when the when the hypocrisy comes out, it, it's it's terrible for all of us. Next step. So now Amishol gets to is on their way to Matan Torah. Okay, the, what is the preparation for Matan Torah? What has to be firmly seared into the minds of Klal Yisrael before they enter into Kabbalah Satorah, Kadmala Torah, before Torah? So look what they say on the Am. Hashem is my strength, my salvation. This is my God, and I will say many say from the word novel, make him beautiful. I will make him look good. Number one, I'm getting ready to make to accept Torah. You know, my job is first to know that I'm going to take upon myself the role of emulating and representing Hashem. It's up to me to make sure that Hashem is beautiful in the in people's eyes. So they'll also want to learn and be, become connected to HaKadosh Baruch Ra, The Gemara in Shabbos says, Abba Shal Omer, Va'an Vehu. What does it mean, Va'an Vehu, make him beautiful? So Heve Domelo, be just like him. Ma'hu Chanun Barachom, Afatehi Chanun. he is compassionate and merciful, you shall be too. Rashi says there, 
What does it mean be similar to, to him? We use a little trick in the word va'anvehu. Va'anvehu, anivahu. Anivahu, me and him. Esa atmi kamoso. I will make myself like him. How do you make yourself like Hashem? How do you emulate Hashem? How do you channel Hashem? Ladavek bidrachav. These two words are huge. To cling to Hashem's ways. Now, what does that mean? So we have an entire mitzvah, Devarim 28.9, huge mitzvah called the halachta bidracha, to walk halacha in the ways of a Kaddish Baruch Okay, look at Devarim 28.9. Okay, and Brachas 53 says, okay, there's one mitzvah, there's one parsha katana, one tiny little subject, one tiny little statement. Shekol gufe Torah tuluyim ba that the entire body of Torah is dependent on, and that is bechol derachecha deehu in all your ways know Hashem. So in this pasuk we're putting together to walk in Hashem's ways, and in all our ways we should know Hashem. What's what's coming together in these two in this little three word phrase is Hashem derech and das bechol derachecha deehu in your derech you should have das okay. In every way you, you conduct yourself, your derech, what you think, what you say, what you feel, your choices, every way you should conduct yourself should be with das, knowing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You are buying in by Kabbalah Torah. You're not buying in to keep the seven mitzvahs. You got to do them anyway. You know what the difference is between the Umos Olam who did not choose Torah and Amishol who chose Torah? Remember that famous Medrash Hashem went to everybody and said, you want Torah? Okay, what does it even mean? It doesn't mean that the night before Harsina, Hashem made these big dramas and called all these other nations to, obviously it didn't happen like that. It means from the time of Abraham, everybody had exposure to these ideas. Everybody had a chance to absorb and internalize and buy into these ideas. They all rejected it. But think about this. What did they actually reject? But let's go back to the Medrash. Hashem said to Asaph, hey, do you want to keep the Torah? Asaph says, well, what's in it? He says, you're not allowed to kill. Eh, nah, not for me. What do you think was Hashem's response? Okay, well, so anyway, you have to do that because it's seven mitzvahs. Okay, so what just happened? Well, anyway, you're obligated. It's the seven mitzvahs. Like, what did they decline? They declined stuff that they can't decline. It's not negotiable stuff. So what happened here? What happened was Amishol knew that they were buying in not to basic obedience to God. God, that was non-negotiable. Not that they were buying into basic morals and ethics. That was not negotiable. They were buying into this, that every minute in our life will be managed, guided by halacha, so that no matter what I'm doing, not just that I'm not killing, I'm not stealing, I'm not, you know, I don't have these great offenses, but otherwise I'm just living my life. No, every move I make, someone can look at me and say, that's the derech of Hashem. Every move I make, that's what we bought it into, that we will walk. Every step we take will be something, say, oh, that's the derech of Hashem. That's drachav, that's his way. So when we refuse. We don't refuse. No, when, when we violate, we yeah. Oh, so what they get, they, so, no, they still have a hundred percent responsibility to have good character traits. There's nothing to do with Torah and they have to be moral. And there's no such thing as a non-Jew that we say, oh, well, they're not Jewish. So who cares if they stole or committed adultery? What Be, so, because what they refused is not, they did not refuse good character. They did not refuse the Sheva Mitzvahs. No way. You're not allowed to. Not negotiable. They refused. They declined 
that every single second of their day in every tiny action, will they will be reflecting the Kodesh Baruch Negel Vasser. And the way they cut their fingernails, you understand? And the bracha they make on every piece of food and the words they say, every little thing will be a reflection of the Kodesh Baruch Yeah. Called bracha that even when you're alone. Very nice, even when you're alone. Okay, now here we go. There is a Sefer, Rambam wrote, called Hilchos Deus. It is an entire Sefer. Here's a treat, here's a surprise, everybody. There's an entire Sefer called Hilchos Deus. It is based on the mitzvah of a halacha bidracha. How does one mold themselves into the kind of person so that every minute of their day, they're walking in the derech of Hashem, they truly emulate Hashem, and they never really veer off. They're always keeping themselves on the halacha, the mahalach, the derech of a Baruch so that a person can look at them and say, ah, that's what a human being should be in this world. That's what Torah makes into a person. That's a whole other level of a human being. That's who I want to be like, okay? So Rama wrote a whole sefer called Hilchos Deos. He didn't call it Hilchos Midos, he called it Hilchos Deos, because das means you have to know who God is. You have to learn basics about a Kaddish Baruch Hu in order to mold your midos. Doesn't require you, again, it's Kadmala Torah. You have to know the ways of a Kaddish Baruch Hu in order to build your midos, and then Torah is built on that. Now, Rav Moshe Shapiro, remember, we just finished a series that we started in the early Corona, where we went through Rav Moshe's Sefer called Re'ei Amuna. It's on the 13 Ikri. Rav Moshe gave Shurman Arsameh for many, many, many years, and they were, the Shurman were put together and transcribed and put into a safer called Re'e Amuna, also available in English called Revel in Amuna. We spent 50 sessions on it on Zoom, and we went through the 13 acre, and we learned so many things. Well, Rav Moshe also gave Shurman, again, he never wrote anything, but the same one who wrote Re'e Amuna wrote, now put together, Rav Moshe Shurim, it's been, I mean, it's not now, it's been around a few years, on Hilchus Deus, it's called Re'e Dea on the Rambam's Hilchas Deus. This is our next project, okay? We finished Hilchas, we finished Re'emunah. We said, after we get, I get back in February, we're gonna do a Monday nights Davar Melech, Mirz Hashem, and Tuesday nights Re'edea. So if you wanna start getting this safer, you can. And um, it's Rambam, so now the main theme that I just wanna share with you, and I put the link here, okay? When you, in your notes, the link is on the, you know, is in blue. It's a link to Safaria, Hilchas Deus, but you could just buy Hilchas Deus of the Rambam, all right? And, um, and what, what Moshe stresses here, and I'm gonna read it to you directly from here in a minute, is he, he, he spends many, many pages, 40 pages, but the upshot of the first beginning of the Sefer is the following. When we are told to walk in the Derech of Hashem, Rambam tells us in Hilchas Deus, it means it means the middle road. It, halacha is the middle, not extreme. If a Nazir, this is very relevant for today, the Nazir sees Sota, the Kilkula, meaning a woman who's taken, and which, by the way, we learned a lot about Sota, it's totally voluntary, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, and all that stuff. But let's say theoretically, somebody saw a Sota, okay? Her hair was uncovered, she was disgraced, she, you know, her dress was. You know, you know, she was put in a position which was less sneeze, all right? And he and he um, felt that, oh my goodness, this might, I might, I don't know, this might have a bad effect on me. So this person 
in, in, order, in other words, and, and the, there's a very good question here about Nazar, Nazar when he sees a Sota. It's like, wait a minute, she's getting punished. She's getting disgraced. Like terrible things are happening. Why would that be tempting to you to sin also? And the answer is that I've heard many times is, yeah, we see the punishment. We see the disgrace, you know, but we also say, but I'll get away with it. If I'll do it smarter and I'll get away with it. You know, seeing someone else's humiliation is not a very good deterrent. But I got to tell you something. We just saw two weeks ago, your own humiliation is a very good deterrent. And humiliation is um, a very good method that should be imposed more to stop people from what they're doing. Okay. And, um, but in any case, um, but in any case, obviously in extreme cases, obviously when there's no way else to, to, to stop a person. But in any case, the point is that Rambam says, I mean, Ramosha says here, stresses very strongly that Rambam is saying clearly in Hilchus Deus, it's straight up, you'll see it if you click the link, the middle path. We don't, going in the ways of Hashem is the middle path. It is not extreme. The halacha tells you what the halacha is. You don't have to go to extremes because when we go to extremes, we are risking a terrible imbalance, okay? There might be some benefit to going off to an extreme, but there's always a cost that has to be taken into account. The, the, we translate the word tzaddik very often. Often when people refer to it tzaddik, sometimes they are, without knowing it, referring to someone who is very extreme. Oh, what a tzaddik, they're so extreme. However, the word tzaddik itself actually means not extreme, balanced, exactly the opposite. It never, ever means extreme. A chassid is extreme. That is the word for chassid, someone who goes lifnim mishur sadin. But that is not a tzaddik, and we are not told to go mida chassidus, extremes unless in very rare situations where it's required or necessary because if we don't we'll slip to the other side Ramam says if you want to stay on the straight middle path and you see you're veering to one side then go a little bit more to the other side and balance it out but here are the psukim i want you to see it inside for the record what sadik means okay devarim 1620 sedek tirdo okay what is the word sedek though devarim 2515 you should pursue Tzedek, you should always pursue tzedek, never give it up, never be tired of it. Right now, it's a time to pursue tzedek. It always is, but particularly now, okay? So what does tzedek mean? Look in Devarim 2515, Evan Shlema When they had weights and measures, they would have a scale. And somebody came in and said, I want a pound of rice. So you took an Evan, a stone that was precisely a pound. Not, and it was not, for example, something that when it was a humid day and that stone absorbed water, it actually weighed a pound and two ounces. You know what I mean? Or if it was a very dry day, then that stone weighed less than a pound, but nobody knew. No, you have to have an event said, something that is consistent and accurate all the time. Sedek means accurate, consistent all the time. Accurate and consistent. And what do you do with an event Sedek? You use it to balance. So my grandfather explains the way you are balanced, you're always accurate on the din, not one side a little bit, not the other side a little bit, what the halacha is. And uh, of course, of course, there are very complicated situations which require even sometimes in the time of Tanakh, breaking the halacha. And that of course required a Navi and things like that. However, and different times when it's a mitzvah to break the halacha, like a mitzvah to save someone's life on Shabbos or something like that, but that's also 
halacha. So, but the main thing is that when we are asked to pursue tzedek, accuracy. Let's be accurate. Let's be accurate and consistent. That means there might be groups that are more extreme, but let's just know that that's an extreme and it's not the, it's not halacha. Let's be honest. The motto I like to put on my flyers is, you know, for the courses is accurate information is the key to inspiration. Okay. So we need accuracy, consistent accuracy to keep everybody clear about what's the Therach Yashar and then what are the extremes? And we cannot confuse that. All right. Kodesh Baruch Hu Hazin, it was referred to as Tzadik the Yashar Hu. Tzadik and Yashar. The middle path is consistent, accurate Yashar. Okay. Hashem can also act as a chassid, which is but that's separate. We are asked to be a tzaddik. I want to explain something of Moshe says here on page 39, and then I want to discuss one topic of the day, hot topic of the day that we started talking about last time. But I just want to read from to Rav Moshe here about what he talks about chinuch. Okay. In the mitzvah of to be similar to the ways of Hashem. This is the essence of the responsibility of a human being. This is for human beings. Everyone has to be similar to Kosh in the Bay, okay? Because they are Tzalmolikim. What do you think Tzalmolikim means? You're like God. And that requires Midos. This has to be the root of all our choices. Leos bar das, to have das, to, and and to be able to choose, to know what is right, what is Hashem's ways, which is clearly stated in the Torah, and to choose. Nobody's allowed to outsource their Bechira, okay? <laughs> There's, we don't believe in a codependency where you decide for me, you choose for me, you tell me what to do. No human being outsources their Bechira. You can be influenced by a person, but a person must have their own Bechira. And a person has to be a bardas. This is the essence of a tzel malakim. Because it's our choice to walk in the ways of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. A mitzvah zu, he habasis l'kiyum kol ha-mitzvahs. The basis of all mitzvahs is mitzvah tavdas and bechira and to choose to go in Hashem's ways. That's what Am Yisrael had to do before they got the Torah. The, when they said, we accept to go in Hashem's ways, van veyu, then they accepted the Torah, Okay. Only a person who guides his own character in relationship, you know, in, in, inspired by Kaddish Baruch Hu, to be like Hashem, can have, can be responsible for the mitzvahs. Now, now he talks about chinuch. Zuhi, and this is for everybody, this is for chinuch of our children, okay, because there's so much talk today about chinuch. Of course we all I think understand the value of not traumatizing young children by letting them know about all the, you know, dysfunction and and you know disturbing things that are out there. Of course, it's very dangerous. I once asked Dr. Pelkowitz many, many, many years ago why he thinks there's so much anxiety. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. He said, "Well, our kids are exposed to too much and too soon. You know, we have to have an innocence and a trust that the world is a good place." Absolutely. So, on the other hand, kids have to be safe. They have to be smart. They can't be innocent and naive, right? Even if the parent, right? So this is what he says. Zuhi gam This is the essence of the mitzvah of A child doesn't have das. They don't know how to evaluate everything, okay? 
Umitzos chinuch hamuteles al harav and the mitzvah chinuch that is obligatory upon his parents umechanchav and his educators ain't a raklo siflo yeda. It's not just to give him information because he doesn't yet have all, you know, doesn't have information. Ella lihikanos lo es hayecholus, but rather to cause that child to acquire hayecholus the capacity lichios kabendas to to the ability to live as a person who has das. Who can think? Who can make choices? Who can judge? Who can be critical and understand things? Who can know what is right and wrong? Who can think for themselves? Okay. To teach a child that to show them that they can choose. They can make. They are the one make, that they can choose in their lives. And take responsibility. Then he becomes a bardas when he gets. When he grows up, okay. But if we don't do this, if we don't teach a child to have das and to be discerning and to think for themselves, listen what he says: "Who He's easily with mitpate pitoy. What is it? Like seduced, like persuaded. Leos nifal to be influenced. Al yidei nitius ativius whatever." you know, a, a natural um, predispositions there are. One of them being to outsource our Bechira, let someone else take responsibility. They should tell us what to do. Okay, and then that causes sickness. When he's, he's referring to Rambam sickness, where people don't have the ability to distinguish between good and bad, bitter and sweet, healthy and unhealthy, like there's, that's an indication of sickness. Okay, and, he, um, and Rambam, Rambam uh, I mean, he says so much more. But here's one area I want to talk about. You know, we had a big controversy on the Q and A, and I mean a big discussion. And I spoke about it in last week's class regarding women and pictures. Okay, and I, I, you know, I'm a teacher, so I my responsibility is to try to, um, you know, share some truths I think that are important to hear. So what we have a very interesting situation. Okay, talking about publications and their policies. Okay. On the one hand, everybody knows that magazines, let's just, let's just use Mishpacha, okay? It's a good example. You know, it's just one of many, many magazines, okay? They're businesses. We all know that, right? Okay. What is the purpose of a business? To make money. Okay. Now, do they also want to provide a good service while they're doing it? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. That's great. That's a lot of businesses do that. All these, every, every doctor does that. Everybody does that. You make money by service you're providing. All right. Now the service they're providing, this is the question. What service are they providing? So, you know, just like you go into a restaurant and you say, I want fish. They serve you fish. Now, what if they brought you meat? You say, get this meat out of here. I want fish. So what they're doing is they're serving their clients, what, what the clients are buying. Correct. We get it. So what the clients want to buy is beautiful, Torah true, inspiration, stories, biographies, right? And they try to sell that, okay? Now, here's the thing. Essentially, what happens is, and I was very, very happy to see the, the uproar this week. They put in, Mishpacho in particular, that's what, put in a, an advertisement that there was an uproar about, right? It was about women and girls and shaduchim and weight loss and the whole thing. But the fact that there's an uproar is very good because what that means is the people were saying, hey, wait a second, I want you to give me proper Jewish values. And in my opinion, this is not a proper Jewish value. Who, who do you think you are? I'm paying for this magazine, get this out of here. 
Okay, so what the magazine does is they say, sure, we're so sorry. We only want to give you what you paid for, of course. So we're not going to do that anymore. But what happens is that when hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people are reading a publication, okay, and they know that they bought it, okay, that they're buying what they want to read, then so that, as long as that's clear, that's good. But when there is ambiguity and innocent kids and teenagers say, oh, this publication is representing the true Torah values, Okay, and that and 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 it's and they forget that it's it's serving a clientele. Then what they're essentially doing is they're outsourcing their judgment, and they're saying whoever's in charge of the editorial board of this magazine, if they put in the magazine, it's fine because they must know what our Torah values, and they must be excellent judges, and they must be somehow I don't know das Torah, and therefore if it's in the magazine it's safe and it represents two true Torah values. That's just like an assumption as a joke. It's an editorial board's decisions of how to keep their clients happy. Literally, that's what it is. Now, let's say among the clients is a big, a big, a big uh, demographic. Let's talk about women's pictures. Now, I, I have no, I don't buy the magazine. It's not my business to tell people what to read, and it's not my business to tell them what to do. It's not my business but I wanna talk about real societal trends. So let's say there's a, a demographic that their comfort zone is they don't wanna see pictures of women. And because this is making, this is, you know, again, it's a money-making industry. They cater to that. You are allowed to cater to your clientele. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, at the same time, at the same time, everyone has to know they're catering to a certain clientele. However, what is the Torah perspective on having women's faces in newspapers. And everyone has to know that tzedek and accuracy, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it, according to halacha. If there'd be something wrong with it, that a woman's face can't be looked at casually, glanced at, then no men and women can ever have a conversation. And let's be really honest, for men and for women in every walk of life are always talking to each other, having conversations, working together, discussing things. Let's be honest. So Kalva Homer in a picture, of course it's mutter, a trillion percent. As long as, some, as long as people know, and they say, listen, this is the magazine policy because it's the comfort zone of a particular group, whether they're right or wrong, okay? Maybe they're wrong, but that's what they chose as their midas chasidus extreme, absolutely extreme midas um, chasidus position. That's their right, they have a right to. But let's just make sure that our kids know that we're tolerating it because there's a lot of other good stuff in it. So we're not making a fuss because we're accommodating them, but we have to make sure everybody knows, which they don't know, which they don't know. Most people don't know this, that no, this is not the Derech Hayasher. This is not Tzedek, this is not the middle path. No, there is no, it is not the Jewish way to erase women, to have storybooks where there's two tatis and six little kids and there's no girls on the Shabbos table. It's crazy. We just have to make sure that we stand strong and say, no, this is not their, this is not their chayashtra. This is not the Torah way. Torah way is there are women. If the Torah doesn't say a face is on sneeze, we don't have to say a face is on sneeze. If a person has a particular issue and they can't abide by the halacha, not to gaze at women, then they should not be looking at that. But they should also then not walk in the street and actually not talk to anybody and also not be anyone. Okay. But the point of this is, let's just make sure we know what Torah is. Let's represent Torah's MS for ourselves, the takeaway today. Okay, the takeaway today is all of us in basic character traits are always, always responsible for self-contemplation. 
did I veer to the side this way or this way? Am I in the Derech Yasher? Am I not too, I don't get angry. By the way, he says humility is one of those things you can veer a little bit off to the side. A little extra humility and a little less cast. But am I, you know, or are my meetings balanced? Did I fly off the handle? Somebody asked about zealotry. A zealot, my grandfather told me this. And I know it's going a little long today. He said, what is a kanai? He says, when Pinchas, you know, acted the kanai. And he got a bris shalom. He got a big bracha for it. And then Eliyahu, who we speak about as a, as a Gilgal or somehow associated kohos, you know, some connection to, you know, similar to Pinchas, also acted the kanai. He said, take away the rain. How could you give them rain when they're serving the Buddha's So Hashem came to Eliyahu and he says, kano kanesala Hashem. You were kanai twice. And he told him, no, it's not the way. It's not the way. So my grandfather says, if you're kanai once, but that's not your temperament, you're usually mild-mannered and loving and kind and all good meters, but once you're kanai, that's one thing. But twice you're kanai? No, we have another word for that. You're a hothead. You're a balkas, okay? You have an anger issue. It's not kanais. We don't, so, um, so the idea here is, the idea here is we look at ourselves. Are we balanced? Are we walking the middle road? Are we representing a Kaddish Baruch Hu properly in this world? Are we asking ourselves those questions? And essentially, if we make a mistake, this is the main point, Mida number one of all basic good character traits, Hashem's name, Amos. We say, oh, I admit it, that was a mistake. I'm sorry, I hurt you, I offended you. That wasn't honest, that was inconsiderate, that was, that was deceptive, I am sorry, that was wrong. Are we just simply honest, working on honesty? Because if you're honest about your first mistake, you'll never make it again, or the third time or the fourth time, it won't become an addiction. It won't become a, uh, it won't become a, a overwhelming problem. So we're talking here about, we want to restore, we want, we, okay, how we started. When Hashem is crying, when, when the Jewish community as a whole is not in a beautiful, clear way making it obvious what a cell milkim looks like, what a person who follows Torah looks like. We are, we, are, we, are, we are off our mark. This is our responsibility to not have Hashem cry, to make it very clear and easy and coherent and simple to see this is, this is, this is what a Torah makes out of a person. To go there, to be very balanced, to not to, maybe you want to tolerate some as extremes, but still to know that that is not the Torah thereof, it's not required, it's not, it doesn't represent that in Judaism, women have no value and they are denigrated. I want to tell you one last story and with that I'm going to end. I have a great uncle, my grandfather's brother, Zechert Sadek Vakadosh Levracha, Mordechashvab. He was such a huge, huge Sadek. Everyone said he was among the Lamar of Tzadik. And my father told me this story many, many years ago when he was young. He had a child, his oldest child was named Baruch Bear. And he was five years old and he was killed in a car accident by accident. Anyway, um, my uncle was sitting Shiva, Uncle Mordecai. And a woman walked in to be Menachem Avon and she was like sleeveless. And um, I don't know if her hair was covered and she sat down to speak to my uncle. He was a huge tzaddik. Like he didn't, he was, he, when he used to make a regular bracha, he would, prepare himself and his eyes would roll up and he made a bracha you thought it was like the heights of and he was the biggest sadi you ever saw the way he treated every person he treated everyone like gold he gave so much cover to every person anyway he was speaking to this lady and afterwards he the woman left and my father said uncle Mortha's, is it a problem that she wasn't sneezed or some kind of question like that and uncle Mortha said to my father i don't know what you're talking about i was talking to her face I was speaking to her. I wasn't looking at her. I was talking. We were talking. 
I wasn't looking at any other part. It's a tzelmukim, I'm talking to human beings, period. So I, we know what their chayashur is. We know what tzaddikim are. They're normal. They're balanced. They make everybody feel good. They're just simple. It's not so complicated. And, and that is, that's the Kiddush Hashem. And that's our tafkid. And Mirz Hashem, looking forward to starting Re'edeo with everybody. You'll let me know if you want to pray. I'll put it on the chats. You'll all, you'll all join the group in Mirz Hashem in February. And I'm wishing you all know we're not. I, I'm expecting to be away for, till, the, till the end of January, till early, you know, February 1st. So wishing you all a beautiful Shabbos and Hatzlacha. And um, see you on the chat. And I'm going to end the recording, but I'm going to stay on the meeting, okay? Yeah, but even the apology was... <laughs>